This is the Education Gadfly Show. You haven't seen this in Downfire? Am I dating myself? I haven't seen all the Bond movies, Mike. Yeah. That okay. Yeah, that okay. Not- what does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. You're at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming our special guest for the week, the Roger Moore of Education Reform, Jason Cry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and, and to be clear, I don't mean that as in you're dead or anything. Uh, unlike uh, Sir, Roger. is it Sir Roger? Did he get knighted? Uh, we'll we'll give him Sir. Okay. Well, I do good. have a bomb in my shoe, so yeah, very good. Well, but I really mean because uh, Jason is is so suave, good looking, debonair, those sorts of things. That, that that's the you know references I'm making. Well, to James what a, what a- <laughs> so Jason is the executive director of Hispanics for School Choice, which is a Milwaukee, Wisconsin-based advocacy organization. Uh, he is also a senior fellow at the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. Yes, I am. Yes, and uh, excited to have you here, Jason. Also joining us is, of course, the one and only Alyssa Schwenk. Hey, Mike. Alyssa just got in from the American Federation for Children's uh, annual mm-hmm. conference. Yep. You got to hear Secretary DeVos speak. Secretary DeVos, Governor Jeb Bush. Governor it was Bush. quite the lineup. Uh-huh. And our own Amber Northern, of course. Yes. Is it widely known at this point that it was Jeb Bush who who came up with the idea that the president should hire Betsy DeVos as Secretary of Education? Well, now it is. <laughs> <laughs> There's your scoop, everybody. I have Ooh. it on good authority that it was Jeb who came up with that idea. Uh, so interesting. There you go. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you just came back from there, Alyssa, because this is the topic we're going to talk about. Of course, school choice on everyone's minds mm-hmm. and lips these days. But in particular, we're going to talk about the different kinds of school choice and how we can get a big tent around them all. So, Jason, let's do education reform update. All right, people. So, you know, Jason, you wrote a piece for us uh, just last week talking about this divide between charter school supporters and voucher supporters. It's really more like a Venn diagram, right? That you've got voucher people and you've got charter people, and then you've got a whole bunch of us that are both. That We say, hey, both and. Today, we want to ask this question. How can those of us that support private school choice get charter school folks uh, to get on board as well? From your experience, you know, what are What's keeping them from getting on board the voucher bus and how can we invite them to join us? Well, that's a great question, Mike. And I think that, you know, for me, I'll say, first of all, that I support all mechanisms that help get kids a good education. And so whether it's vouchers, like I've had a lot of experience with in in Wisconsin, we also have charters there. I'm excited about ESAs. I'm excited about tax credits, everything we've got. I want more of it because parents need this stuff. Kids need this stuff now. I think that with these conversations... I mean, so that's my own personal approach, which is yep, maybe no, yep. no different than all of the above. anybody else's. Can, right. Everybody can have their different opinion. But for me, working with parents all the time, which I do uh, with Hispanics for School Choice, uh, specifically you know, Latino parents, yep. I've never heard someone come to me and say, you know, my kids are at this Lutheran school, my kids are at this Catholic school, and it's unconstitutional. Here's my voucher back. Yep. They're looking for these options. And so I think that the first thing we can try to do, I tried to do in the piece, is say, you know what, charter friends... Look at KIPP and the character building uh, mechanisms that are built into their system. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like religion. And so whether it's, you know, showing up on time, working hard, being persistent, being honest, mm-hmm. these are things that religion, 
and, and the secular share when we're trying to yeah. put it into a school. No, that's right. I mean, look, people have long said that KIPP is basically a secular version of the old Catholic school model. Yeah. I think over time, they have that both models have been evolving, uh, but I think that's still probably true. But what, what do you think, Alyssa? I mean, this is, this is the big difference, right? I've heard some people say, why do we even need vouchers? Let's just stick with charters. And my answer is, mm-hmm. hey, I, like, I love charters, but you can't have a religious charter school. And for a lot of families out there, a religious school is something they desperately want that they think is the best fit for their child, that they think, I, I think there's good reason to believe it's especially important for kids in low-income communities where there's so few strong social institutions. And so getting connected with a, a church and a church school can be a great positive thing. And the Supreme Court, at least, has decided that there's not a church-state issue here. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what do you think? How do we overcome those? Is 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 there any way to overcome that? Yeah, no, I mean, it's tricky. And I recognize that the one solution that I've kind of come up with as someone who struggles around uh, this issue herself is to try and take values out of it. And I recognize that that is a kind of ironic proposition when we're talking about values-based education. And when I say values, I mean our own approaches to how we how we perceive mm-hmm. a religious institution. Right. Um, you actually, Mike, published a sort of quiz. Um, you referred to it as a Cosmo quiz, which I did not let you put in the headline, mm-hmm. but like kind of a checklist of different yeah. accountability metrics that, yeah. that a supporter of charter schools can kind of take to kind of understand their trade-offs and their own personal where they fall on the spectrum of choice versus accountability. And I think taking that and looking at like what drives your values around choice, empowering parents, mm-hmm. and to the, the extent to which you think that a school needs to be held accountable yep. is a good first step. And then once you do that, looking at programs that have a lot of accountability baked in, like right. uh, Louisiana. Yeah, all right. So accountability. Let, let's get to that in just a minute. But religion's a big thing. And look, I've, I've said to audiences, I wrote a piece a little while ago, hey, just keep in mind, if you are saying no to religious schools, you are second-guessing families. And in the case of low-income families, you're often second-guessing single mothers who have decided they want that Catholic school down the street. They want that Lutheran school down the street for their child. And because you've got to hang up about religion, <clears throat> progressives, you know, you are second-guessing and, and that we shouldn't do that, right? Now, my own view is, however, uh, the accountability issue is a real one. Mm-hmm. People say, Jason, well, uh, I don't support vouchers because they're not accountable for results. And I say, not true. At least not true in Louisiana, not true in Indiana, mm-hmm. maybe truer in Milwaukee and in Ohio and in D.C. Although just yesterday, Pat Wolf and, and John Whitty came out with a document. Uh, look, there was a, an event in Madison looking at a Tommy, Governor Tommy mm-hmm. Thompson's mm-hmm. legacy. They came out with a, a document showing that when you compare Milwaukee public schools to the uh, choice program in Milwaukee, on almost every issue but standardized testing, which I know mm-hmm. is a big hang-up for a lot of people, but there are ways to kind of uh, argue about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, but attendance, college graduation, high school graduation, a likelihood of interactions with the police, on every issue, mm-hmm. uh, the choice program turned out to be a little bit better in Milwaukee. Yep. And so I yep. think that part of this whole accountability thing is that it takes a long time to get a good handle on what's going on because people are complicated. Yep. This is yep. complicated work. And so... Yeah, but that's at the program mm-hmm. level. I mean, what, exactly. what we don't know is whether there's individual schools in Milwaukee, sure. let's say, mm-hmm. that are, uh, you know, they're just doing a terrible job. And but if we're going to categorically criticize yeah. a mechanism like sure. vouchers, then we have yeah. to say, you know, on yeah. the whole... Yeah, on the it's, it's pretty good. Every, right. every sector's got its uh, got its rotten. All right. Levels, now right? the other big one is, and and we've heard this a lot the last couple of days with uh, the various speeches by Secretary DeVos and her testimony. This question about is it schools 
is it parents choosing schools or schools choosing kids, right? This notion that private schools don't have to take everyone. They don't have to take the kids with special needs. They can have admissions requirements. They can say no. They can say no to gay kids. They can say no to kids who aren't of their own religion, uh, at least in most of the places that have vouchers or tax credit programs. And for a lot of charter people, they don't like that. You know, There's this charter ideology that says we're open to everybody. That's what makes us a public school. If there's more kids want in, then we've got room. We do lotteries. End of story. And my view is, look, if you try to apply that to private schools, they'd no longer be private. Mm -hmm. But how do you respond to that? Well, I mean, again, so I'm Wisconsin-centric, right? So the choice programs there, I mean, they have to take everybody. And so I think that, and there are people who've had issues with that. So you tell school leaders, well, if you're clear again, and so I really believe when it comes to accountability, you know, putting a lot of information at the parent level as you're, as you're suggesting. And so if you walk into a school, like for example, there's a school called Salam School in Milwaukee, which is a Muslim school, Mm -hmm. 700 kids. Yep. If I go in as a, a card-carrying Catholic and send my kids there because I love it, and then halfway through the semester I'm upset because I'm not getting Catholic theology, then I mean I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. And so I think that mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. we can we can push those things off. And so a lot of programs, I mean, they are they are taken. And in schools, for the most part, school leaders they're trying to work with mm-hmm. children with special needs. And so yeah. again, yeah, the parent level. And it is interesting. In Milwaukee, they they do say you can't use those admission standards. No. So now I, I would say, mm-hmm. look, just because a school or a program is not great for everyone doesn't mean that we should get rid of it because, you know, but what about if it's great for some kids? You know, that and especially mm-hmm. we're talking about poor kids. Everybody we're talking about here is poor. And uh you know, in a voucher program, let's say, and those kids that are getting those vouchers and going to the Catholic school or going to the Lutheran school or are getting great results and having a positive experience. And the competition from choice is actually helping the kids who stay behind in the public schools. Right. I just don't get it. I don't get why you have to say if you're not serving the very neediest kid or the most disabled kid or the, the kid who is the most degree of an outlier in some category, if you're not serving absolutely every single kind of kid, then we're not going to let you serve all those other kids who are, by the way, needy and getting terribly served by the public schools. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, I know it's tricky, and it gets back to this question of values and where we draw our lines in, as both an education reform movement and as people, and I don't think that this is a debate that's going to go away anytime soon. What? Yeah, I, so you're not saying that everybody, that all of you who are skeptical about vouchers, just get on board the bus. <laughs> I'm uh, saying everyone should be open to More pocket-sized constitutions. Mm-hmm. <sighs> my goodness, my goodness. All right. Hey, look, I, I do think what you say is right, Alyssa, which is that let's... Mm-hmm. First, I'll start with, hey, you know, we're all in this to try to figure out good solutions for kids. And number Mm -hmm. two, let's respect these differences that we have. I mean, these are nuanced differences. They are personal. Mm -hmm. They're ideological. It is not just about, for example, Mm self-interest, as we see when we're talking about, you know, some people in the traditional public school system who want a system where kids have to go to their neighborhood public school, end of story, because any other system feels threatening to their jobs and mm-hmm. to their own livelihood. Some people. Some people. I don't know who they may be. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, first name rhymes with candy, uh, <laughs> you know, and last name rhymes with flying garden. Uh, no, I don't know who we're talking about, <laughs> but yes, some people. All right. Well, good. Well, hey, Jason, thanks for coming on the show. I hope you will come back sometime uh, and join us again. Alyssa, always a pleasure. Yep. That is all the time we've got for Ed Reform Update. Now it's time for everyone's favorite, Amber's Research Minute. David Griffith, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Mike. Filling in for Amber yet again. Yep. Don't let the rumors start flying, people. Hey, so I have a question for you. We spoke about Roger Moore passing. Mm-hmm. 
which is your favorite 007? So I have two answers. One is the classic Sean Connery. Yeah. Because who can't? All I can see him, though, is, is doing Jeopardy now. I, that's all. When I think of Sean Connery, I think of Saturday Night Live Jeopardy sketches. But okay. Yeah, that's I literally plus. have no right. idea. Yeah, I, this is like someone made a joke at right. Yes. This all right. is number literally, two, I can't. Two. But I also like Timothy Dalton, and that's because he was a guest star on my favorite TV show in college, so I have fond feelings. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I like the most recent one. Yeah. Was that Timothy um, Dalton? Is that- no, it's um Craig. Yeah, Craig. Craig. I'm going with Daniel. Daniel Craig. <laughs> I'm going with like Pierce Owen Brosnan Craig. myself. I, you huh? know, I like okay. Mr. Pierce too. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good. And and you remember uh, the the nanny, uh, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire? He was okay. in that one. Yes, he was yeah. Sally Field's new love interest. Yeah. Yes. And you remember him doing that amazing dive? Do you think that was really him? Probably not. You, you didn't see Mrs. Doubtfire? Am I dating myself? I haven't seen no. all the Bond movies, Mike. Yeah, that okay. was, yeah, that was okay. not the... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire, 007. Okay! Played by Robin Williams. Sorry for that gabbing, everyone. What do you got on us on the research front, Yeah, David? and this does not look like a minute. <laughs> all right, I've got... It's called... It will be a minute. It's called Accountability Pressure, Regression Discontinuity Estimates of How No Child Left Behind Influenced Student Behavior by John Ooh. Holbein and Helen Ladd. Ooh. Yep. Basically, the study looks at the impact of No Child Left Behind in North Carolina on student behavior and attendance. So trying to broaden our understanding of kind of non-academic effects. Uh And it finds mixed results. It basically finds positive effects for attendance, Mm -hmm. um, which is good. And it finds sort of negative effects for behavior. And, And I guess the caveat with both of these things is it's reported. Right. And so obviously, you know, it's tough to distinguish between actual behavior and reported suspension suspensions. Right. Mm-hmm. And there may have been changes in the way that mm-hmm. um, schools reported attendance, too. So we, we can't know that. But I think what is most interesting about the find, um, the study to me is that when it comes to behavior, they find different effects for students at the top and the bottom of the achievement spectrum than they do for the kids in the middle. Okay. Do you tell? bubble kids. Yes, okay. that's exactly what it suggests. So they essentially find that kids at the bottom who were well below proficiency and kids at the top were more likely to act out if a school was mm-hmm. labeled as failing than kids in the middle. And mm-hmm. they theorize essentially that it may have been because they were ignored, right? Because wow. the, you know, essentially the implication is because yeah. No Child Left Behind focused on proficiency rates. Right. So it's all sort of not speculative, but it's, it's you can't really mm-hmm. nail it down because. Mm-hmm. You know, there's these issues with reporting, and the, there's also the broader question of does this only apply to No Child Left Behind, or does mm-hmm. it apply to test-based accountability in general? So, and was it, when you say behavior, how are they measuring behavior? What do we know? Yeah, I mean, we only we know what they report, so they've got a whole long list of things. So it's partly suspensions. Okay. Um, listen, I've got a whole list here that'll take right. less than a minute. Alicia, you're already uh, over a minute. So yeah, no, it's no, no in problem. school suspensions, out of school suspensions, fights, drug possession, violent offenses, sexual offenses, disruptive behavior. So, you know, it's both the suspensions and then also sort of the incidence behavior. Okay. And, but how are they tying this? And I'm sure your answer is going to be regression discontinuity. But uh-huh. how are they tying yeah. this to the accountability law? Yeah. My answer is regression discontinuity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Schools that were labeled uh, as in need of improvement versus those that almost were but not quite. Exactly. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. so it was really the pressure, and this was really again to remember remind ourselves just mm-hmm. in schools that faced the pressure from NCLB accountability, not yeah. schools writ large. Yeah, and I think there's some interesting questions here just about you know I mean we do I think we do worry about like what are the negative side effects potentially of accountability, and also how can we structure yeah. accountability to minimize those? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's some interesting questions about you know is there such a thing as too much accountability? Right, if you're if you're a third grade kid, you know, reading way behind grade level, mm-hmm. how can we structure it so that essentially the incentives, the school doesn't have an incentive to just completely just, freak right. mm-hmm. out. I, right? I okay, have an so idea. playing the yes. part of Mike idea. Petrilli today, I'm going to say growth. Oh, good one, Alyssa. <laughs> Boom. You're getting it. You're getting it. I do think that would help. Growth is the answer. David, whatever the question is, growth is the answer. Okay. <laughs> just like for Betsy DeVos, no matter what the question is, vouchers is the answer. <laughs> right. Growth. Yes. Growth. If I were Secretary of Education, every speech I would give would be about growth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. That would get boring uh, and drive all the education journalists crazy. So can can I make a note here that here we are in 2017 and in recent years, I mean, just recently, there has been a slew of interesting studies about no child left behind, Mm -hmm. including many finding that there's some positive effects. Even this one, attendance went up. No child left behind was passed in 2001. Yeah. Okay. So this is 16 years later. And yet there are people out there that, yeah. for example, only seven years into the Common Core want to declare Common Core a failure. And I got to say, people, be patient. This stuff takes time. I mean, we don't know. We're only halfway through the implementation of a reform. We're not quite sure how it's going to pan out. Now, mm-hmm. That's a problem because policymakers want to make adjustments and make things for so practitioners. But you know, uh, you're but the point is you got to be you got to be patient. You're a researcher at heart, Mike. You don't want to jump to conclusions. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I'm talking to a he reporter, wouldn't. that's different. But you know, he you don't want to jump to other people's conclusions. I see yeah. the okay. benefit of patience. Yeah, we just need a little patience. This is now what the fifth reference in the podcast that I don't get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think what this points all points towards for me is, you know, I, I think we do have a lot still to learn about accountability, and we are entering a really critical phase uh, of mm-hmm. ESSA where states are essentially going to be cautiously experimenting with yep. alternatives to mm-hmm. tests, and I think people should just. A, pay attention, but B, also be patient because this is yeah. going to take a few years. To and find out what works. It's yeah. going to take more than a few years. And we all want to move beyond tests, but mm-hmm. it's also, yeah. it's really, we yeah. don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> Even the smartest researchers have questions. So. All right. And by the way, on the behavior stuff, we just have to say it. It's hard to know whether it's the reporting, that, that they got better at reporting mm-hmm. this stuff. I mean, that that's what makes it so hard <laughs> to do these studies about anything related to behavior. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. you're trusting uh, schools to count everything and what counts as a fight and what doesn't count as a fight, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, not so easy. Okay. No fighting about that. Yep. All right. That is all the time we've got for this week. Until next week. I'm Alyssa Schwenk. And I'm Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.